0: Welcome to the Develop in the Dark podcast, brought to you by New Spring Church. We'll prepare you with biblical truths to help you meet the demands of your reality.
1: In today's episode, Brad and I are going to discuss the doctrine of heaven and hell. People have tons of questions about heaven and hell. We're going to get into it today. One of the big questions is how could a loving God send people to hell? We hope this conversation is going to be super beneficial to you as you develop in the dark. All right, Brad, we're back. Last time we talked all kinds of gospel. We talked about the life, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. This week we're going to jump into a little bit more of a conversation around heaven and hell, which is such a huge question for people. So many people want to know what heaven's going to be like. So many people want to understand the idea and concept of hell. Today in our culture, man, we talk about hell in a way a lot more than we ever have before, but in a completely different sense. When I grew up, we talked about hell almost every week. It just seems to me like now in our culture, there's a lot of fuzziness out there about the doctrine of hell. And so we want to get into that a little bit. You know, uh, the scripture talks about eternal life in the New Testament, especially tons. 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 And, um, you know, when I grew up, there was a huge emphasis on eternity, um, so much so that you know most of the songs and hymns that we did uh, were about you know leaving this earth to go go far away. You know when the rolls called up yonder when all, when we all get to heaven on and on and on sweet by and by this kind of thing. Uh, there was a strong emphasis. And Swing I, low, sweet cherry. That's right. A sw- strong emphasis on going somewhere else and leaving <clears> this <throat> world. Some of that I think had to do honestly with the fact that people were really in difficult times and when a group of people are in really difficult times you tend to look forward for for that hope and we talked about last week how that's a good thing yeah perhaps maybe an overemphasis in that in that generation though and we would begin to say that we were thinking so much about the future that we were no earthly good now do you think that that's maybe flipped A little bit so that now all we're thinking about is now, and we're not thinking about eternity at all.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons there, but truthfully, I do think there's part of this is just a big pendulum swing. And so, because there was so much language around eternity, specifically hell, I think a lot of people. Shied away from that, and that doesn't necessarily, you know, win friends and influence people Mm. um, necessarily, right? And so it's easier to talk about some other things. You can draw a crowd talking about other things. Mm. And so I think there's a lot of, in the church, a lot of folks that leaned into other topics, Mm. all right? And so you had this whole other generation that was talking about just different things, more practical things, you know, and there's not—okay. Nothing wrong with that. But sure. now we're in a reality where Jesus talked about eternal life. So much. Jesus talked about hell. Mm. The New Testament is full of the reality of eternity. Mm. And so if we are here and we're going to be faithful to the Word of God, we're going to be faithful to following Jesus, we're going to talk, then we have got to. Uh, I love Spurgeon on this, right? He said, Where's the, where the Bible is silent about a topic, we should be silent. Mm hmm but where the Bible is not silent about a topic, we must open our mouths. Mm. So here we are, we're opening our mouths and our podcast to talk about something that I think a lot of people have questions right. about, eternity.
1: And that's exactly right. and. One of the big questions that, that we get is, what happens when, when I die? It's a question. Um, it's a question that I get often. And just to, to put it very plainly, if you're in Christ, when you die, your body is going to go to the ground, back to dust. Your self-consciousness, your soul, spirit is going to be immediately with God. Now, how do you know that? How do I know that? The the scripture tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There it is. And everything in Christian theology is debated and talked through. There's other uh, thinking on that as well. But that seems to be fairly clear to me, at least, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Some people call this moment heaven as the intermediate state between your death and when uh, Jesus comes back and is, we're resurrected. Yeah. And when, when we're resurrected then, what happens then is that our bodies will join together with our soul and we'll continue through eternity as embodied people. Yes. What an amazing thing that Christianity is not just about redeeming your spirit. It's not just about redeeming your body, but it's about redeeming and reclaiming your body and your spirit.
0: He's going to make the heavens and the earth new. Like we talked about last episode, Mm -hmm. a a place that I always lean on here is Jesus' conversation as he's hanging on the cross with the thief Mm. that's right beside him. Mm. And he tells that thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Yes. So Jesus isn't a liar. His scripture is true. So what did he mean? Well, obviously we're not in Today, a Mm. new heaven and new earth reality, but in that intermediate state that you mentioned, it was going to be with Jesus, Mm. and it was going to be what Christ would call paradise. And
1: there's plenty of mystery in that. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of mystery in that. You know, as you look into Revelation, you see a new kingdom coming down. This is in the very end of Revelation, new heavens, new earth uh, restored, and we get more of an image there of what that's going to be like with garden narrative and tree and beautiful things. The wedding
0: supper of the lamb, right. the bridegroom and the bride. Here we are. It's all consummated.
1: That's right. But here's what we know about this moment when you die. Wherever, wherever God is, that's where you're going to be. Wherever Jesus is, that's where you're going to be. For those in Christ. That's right. Wow. And that's an amazing comfort, amazing hope that we have. I just think that's an amazing thing. So will I be different is a question. Now, Paul, I think, addresses this very specifically in 1 Corinthians 15. So he talks about the resurrection in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Will I be known as Trevor in the new heavens and new earth? Will you be known as Brad? And he says that we'll be known as we're known in the New Testament. And in the 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about this analogy of being uh, planted in the ground. Yeah, as a, like seed. a A seed yeah. planted in the ground. And then we spring up. And so the analogy is, is that, Corn is planted For instance Corn is planted And corn comes up Out of the ground But there's a difference Between that little kernel That's planted And the sprout That comes up Yeah. So you're gonna be Known as Brad But you're gonna have Ability, capability Just abilities Beyond what you possibly Could imagine now
0: That's wild to think about But again Look at Christ here Because he would be The great example So like a kernel That went into the ground Jesus goes to the ground Three days And Mm -hmm. then resurrects In a real body New body Imperishable and, And he is both Recognized, but he's also distinct and different, mm. right? I mean, and you can see this a little bit in the interplay of the, you know, didn't know exactly who is the who. Oh, I'm this looking. is Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, this is seen there in the example of the body of resurrected Jesus. That's that's
1: amazing. And when we think about heaven and a resource that people could be looking for, what's your favorite? Um, well, there's a book that Randy Alcorn did a while back called Heaven um that i think answers a lot of these questions in more depth and he he gives a lot more insight there throughout the entire scripture um there's there's uh, some bible project things that help are helpful but i think that randy alcorn Uh, book is probably the thing that I would point to the most when it comes to heaven. Now, the questions about hell are a bit sharper. They're a little bit more divisive. Potentially. And that has to do with where our culture is right now. But they're
0: they're as important as ever. That's right. And you know what? I I feel both of these, not just for myself. I'll tell you where I feel these a lot, Trevor. I feel them with my kids. Mm. These are the kind of things that when my kids are going to bed at night, they want to talk about. Mm. I don't know if there's other mom and dad out there um but this is the stuff that they want to talk about I want to understand it and I want to be able to give them good answers mm. biblical answers
1: and so this is answers that they can understand
0: and they can literally as mm-hmm. I turn off the lights and they're laying there in the bed they can develop in the dark as mm. they consider these things right. that are right from the scriptures
1: right so right. yeah
0: let's talk a bit about that sharper edge with yeah, the reality of it, Yeah, of there, there's
1: certainly a lot of debate in in the world at large about hell, and that has to do, I think, mostly with the exclusive message of the gospel. We talked all the way at the beginning of the season about how Christianity is inclusive in the way that it presents itself, but exclusive through Jesus is the only way. Yeah, is that episode one? It's right toward the beginning. I don't okay. remember if it was one or two, but, um, but yeah, I think in the world there's that debate. Inside the church there's a debate about... What is hell going to actually be about? Is there a such thing as eternal conscious torment, which is a, a, coin, a coined phrase that means that a person's going to, you know, if they're not in Christ, they're going to live in, in hell for eternity and be tormented forever. Or is it more of this annihilation idea where for a time they're tormented, but then they're burned up and go into non-existence? Um, so that's a debate inside of the Christian. I think church.
0: the most helpful thing I've seen on that is Preston Sprinkle does a fantastic that's podcast. Right. He he chats about this, and we'll make sure we link that because it's really really helpful.
1: And he, he's done a book. He's edited a book also with these different views of hell. We can put all of that in the in the show notes. But when you when you're thinking about this idea of, of hell, what we want to be very careful about, while we can say. Yes, we believe in the doctrine of eternal conscious torment. You and I probably fall into that camp. I don't want to speak for you there, but I'm assuming. Feel free to speak for me there. Yeah. There are plenty of people within Christian churches who we would be sympathetic toward in the idea of a doctrine of annihilation. But what's off limits is this idea of universal reconciliation. Yeah. And that somehow everyone is going to eventually, through whatever means, make it to eternity with God in the new kingdom. We just don't see that at all in Scripture. Now, you could make a case for some of the other stuff there, but we just don't see universal reconciliation there.
0: Yeah, well, one, the Bible talks about eternity over and over again. And so if we're going to believe in the eternality of heaven, then it would seem to me that we need to believe in the eternality of hell.
1: That's right. Those things
0: things are, are leveled
1: out there. If you don't believe in the reality of hell, you're going to have to step over the words of Jesus, the words of Paul, the words of Peter. The New Testament, the, the words of John. John. I mean, all, I
0: mean, essentially, everybody in the New Testament is going to talk about eternity like
1: this. Mm-hmm. And what we'll do, you know, we, we don't have time to go through all of these verses, but in the show notes, I'm going to put a list of verses where Jesus talks about the reality of, of hell. I'll put a list of verses where Paul talks about it, Peter, John, everybody who talks about it. And, and just the reality of hell as a place that people are going to spend eternity outside of Christ, it's just a reality. So,
0: how do you then, Trev? Okay, so let's let's go there. Okay, let's. My head's there. All right, hell's All right. real. Okay, heaven's real. I'm with you. Okay, now maybe we're out there and we're a listener and like, how do you get your mind around that in such a way that a good God? Mm. Would create a place like that or have a place like that? And how is it not a better suggestion to say then, well, if he's a good God, a loving God, then heaven is the only reality and there's no such thing as hell. What? what how, help me put those pieces together mm-hmm. in the puzzle of my mind so that I might be able to see it clearer because I think this is where people are. Right, I mean, truly.
1: Right. Well, the thing that comes to my mind in those moments is just the analogy metaphor of a judge. Mm. And what makes a judge a good judge? So we've seen, all of us have seen, you know, a video, a YouTube video of a person who was guilty standing before the court, uh, and they're guilty of some crime, and they, they're sentenced by the judge. And the judge passes a sentence, and it's a just sentence. And we've also seen images of people standing in a courtroom who they're wrongly accused, and the judge says, You're free to go. And everybody's excited and you know, but what happens when the judge gives bad judgment? So instead of you know, sending the guilty to the appropriate punishment or sending the innocent to freedom, they flip it. Mm. And um, you know, inside of us that makes my blood boil. Right. Inside of us, we have built into us this Amago Day that allows us to see that there's a moral law. And if there's a moral law, there's a moral law giver. And I know that because God is who he says he is, that he's not only loving, but he's also just. And I can't get around, I can't step around the fact that that's part of who God is, that's a part of his character that he must be just. Now, the way that I get there that helps me is I realize because of my human nature, I'm guilty and fallen, and here I stand before the the judge deserving death, and he has sent his only son, Jesus, to come. And now as he drops the gavel in judgment, the person who rightly should get the punishment, you. me— that punishment goes to Jesus, mm. and Jesus's goodness, righteousness, holy, all the things that he is now gets transferred to me. So it's not that that God is not just. He is absolutely just, but what I've done is put my hope and faith in Christ, and now that punishment is rightly given somewhere to someone.
0: So that justice of God fell on Christ. Thus the violence and the blood and the absolute grotesqueness, of the cross. It's a necessity, mm. right, to to cover me, my sin, my brother. At to this, be right with God. Absolutely. Now, at the same time, at the same time, I think sometimes it's easier to think about other people than it is ourselves. When you see, whether it's in a movie or you've heard about it in a story or you've re- like you just stated, someone get away with something. Mm-hmm. They were guilty. I'm not talking about a little thing. I'm talking about something that's atrocious. Right. I'm talking about Adolf Hitler stuff. I'm talking about, yep. you know, rape. I'm talking yep. about, I mean, things that were sins against humanity. You know, lots of people right now are talking about The Sound of Freedom, this this mm. uh, sex trafficking movie. That should, okay, sins against humanity. And these people get off with these things and everything in us goes, there's no way that should happen. Well, if all of a sudden you've removed the existence of hell or the justice of God for such a place? What do you do about the atrocities of humanity for thousands of years? Mm. Those that we know about, and how about all the ones we don't know about? Mm. How about the mass graves all over this planet that nobody knows about, mm. that are atrocious? Well, the good news is, for me, for you, mm. because we believe in a just God and a loving God, He is going. there is nothing that's ever going to happen that is Injust, that he will not be the one who drops the gavel on and says, this will be paid for. Mm. So to remove hell removes the penalty for sin against humanity through all time.
1: That's right. And you know what else it does is it causes us to have an anemic, watered-down version of love.
0: Absolutely it does. If If you
1: don't have the doctrine of hell, then how do you really understand what you've been forgiven of and what Jesus has done on the cross and what love really looked like there. You know, on the cross, the glory of God is most displayed in all of human history because you see on those outstretched hands, you see the justice of God and you see the outpouring of God's love to humanity in one spot in history. And uh, what happens when you take one of those arms of the cross off and you just have one side or the, the one other. One side or the other is that you have an anemic picture of a, of a loving God who who has done this for us because he loved us and he wanted to give a solution to the problem.
0: The Old Testament line, this is the place where mercy and justice kiss. Mm. That's what comes to mind. Wow. In the, in the embodied view of God, man. Jesus dying for us, so that's that's one of the realities. You know, uh, here is another implication. Um, Some of my pacifist friends would say today, I I I don't believe in any kind of aggression towards something. And one of the ways by which they do this is they understand the justice of God in eternity, and because He is going to be the avenger, Mm. so but. in order to believe in passivism at all or turning the other cheek at all where is that sourced and rooted how could we do something like dr king so famously did where he he was nonviolent protest mm. or how do we how do we turn the other cheek where is that well unless i believe that there will be justice one day
1: that god will make it right
0: i can't be sourced with mercy in the moment to turn mm. the other cheek to forgive to to overlook something it's where i gain my strength to not take matters into my own hands mm. when it comes to what's going on in the earth today, mm. and so this is where um, classically Anabaptists specifically find their source and supply for pacifism in the way that they apply it today is because they believe in the Avenger that God says I will be the Avenger, mm. and He does this in the justice of hell.
1: Mm. Man, and it's it's sobering to think about this. You know, um, one of the lines that you hear so frequently is. Um, God, how could a loving God send people to hell? And I think one mistake that you know sometimes pastors, teachers will make is they'll make uh, too much of a distinction between sin and the sinner. Mm. And you know we we will say things like, "Well, God hates your your sin," um, but you also have to realize that He's not just sending sin to hell. People go to hell, right? And when I, when I think about this idea of God sending people to hell, there's a yes and no to that. Like the judge, when I think about a person who's committed a heinous crime, and the judge does send that person to hell, right? I mean, Sentences or, or to, him, yeah. to jail. But they do it justly, and it is the crime that they committed that it actually is the primary factor there. But the idea that God is maniacally sending people to hell, like, ha, 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 and he's pushing people into hell and this kind of thing. No, he's a judge. Wrong, wrong, wrong. He's yeah. a judge that's going, no, I don't, this is not good That I that I have to do this, but I'm going to do it because it's just.
0: Yeah. And he's also giving us this beautiful idea of choice. And so while we have the reality of he is the judge, he's also the judge and the justifier. Right, That's what mm. the Bible says. So you've got Christ, who is the justifier, mm. and he makes himself available right outside the courtroom saying, I will do this for you. I have done this for you. Would you choose me? And That's then right. we walk right past Jesus and choose our own way, and then the justice of God declares us guilty. Mm. And so, you know. I,
1: yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a quotation from C.S. Lewis that, that I really love. It, he says, in the long run, the answer to those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are we asking God to do? To wipe out past sins and at all costs give them a fresh start? He did that at Calvary. To forgive them, but they don't ask for forgiveness. To leave them alone? I'm afraid that is exactly what he does. Mm. And so we have this doctrine of hell um, Brad, how do, you, how do you bring this to a close? And we've talked about heaven. We've talked about hell. We've talked about the reality of this. As a person's developing in the dark, how should they be thinking about this kind of in an everyday situation? What is the urgency that this creates? Well, that's
0: exactly right. It's one of the reasons that we're on mission. So first, there's an urgency for my own soul. So I'll just ask you this. This is a question I ask my kids. How is your soul? Mm. And if you're under the blood of Christ, if you've placed faith in him, then you need to understand the wrath of God has been satisfied. Jesus was enough. And now you are declared innocent, free. You're guiltless. And from that source and supply, we can go in on mission with urgency, just like that man standing on the Titanic as it goes down Mm. saying, be saved, receive Christ and be saved. But who gets in the boat? Women and children and the unsaved. Mm. And we have this beautiful fearlessness to those that are in Christ to go out and begin to carry the good news. Right. So you know the reality is we're going to live forever, Trev, mm. and and we have been forgiven in Christ. But we again understand that the cross is where both justice and mercy kiss. That's it. And so the gospel applied today for all of us is the good news that we need to carry with us as we go.
1: What a beautiful truth. That's all the time we have for today's episode. We're so thankful for you. And we're excited as you develop in the dark.
0: Thanks for listening to Develop in the Dark. We hope that today's episode will help the light in you shine brighter than the light on you.